The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! The coffee is exactly what I needed right now. Thank you. You're welcome. I think Mel's got a show coming up. Really? I think so. I've got a bunch coming up. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, let's promote that. Where and when are you playing? Uh, I'm playing uh, Saturday the 10th at Sadie's Bar and Grill. That's with my... Uh, Sadie's. That's like your home base, right? Yeah. Can you pull me that's up? That's my family. Sure. Yeah, that's like your home base, right? It sure is. I haven't been there, but you talk so so well about them, I'm going to have to. They're my family over what, there. Once the primary's over, then I can actually have some fun again. There we go. Although I have to say, I do enjoy my job, so this is fun. Yeah. I love working for the paper. I love doing the podcast, which is weird because I hate people. You would think being in the job that I'm in that I'd actually like people, <laughs> but I really don't. Oh, I don't mind just a little. Oh, I've already, I've also gotten like millions of emails since I started the show t- from people telling me not to ruin the song. Don't sing. <clears throat> Your singing sucks, Duggan. You're ruining the song. All right, we'll do one bop up, and then we'll start the All show. Right. Well, at least my voices are cracking today. All right. All right, let's get this show on the road, shall we? Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop two guys smoke shop at the Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe in Salem, New Hampshire. We're going to go over all of the candidates in Massachusetts right now, at least the ones that are important, the races that are important. And I know that, you know, the, 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 uh, the American in me says all races are important, right? But some races are really not as important as other races because there's nobody running or there's only one person running. So we're going to go through the ones where there is competition and we're going to talk about some of those races. And then after the primary, the primary is next Tuesday, September 6th. Most races, if you live in the Merrimack Valley, almost every single race is going to be decided in the primary because there's no Republican. Because let's face it, in Massachusetts, there's only four Republicans. In fact, I'm not even a Republican anymore. So those of you who send me hate mail calling me a rhino, which rhino stands for Republican in name only, I'm not a Republican. You have to be a Republican to be a a rhino. In fact, in full disclosure, I'm going to tell you right now, I am pulling a Democrat ballot. I'm an independent. I left the Republican Party six or so years ago because of all the, all the foolishness on the fringe. And it seemed to me like the fringe was taken over, so I, I bailed. Um, and now I, I usually pull a Democrat ballot in a primary so that I can vote for the Democrat that's going to be the most conservative or at least, at the very least, the least batshit crazy left wing. So... Um, I, I wish I could pull a Republican ballot because I'd really like to weigh in on the Doty deal campaign, um, but we'll get to that when, when, when we start. A couple of things I want to start with. So the election is 
Tuesday. But there are people who are voting today. I spoke to a candidate who called me this morning who said that they were out there driving people to the polls today. I don't like early voting. I think early voting is bad. Um, I think mail-in voting is bad. Because most, Kim, if you vote early, I can't tell you how many people have told me over the last five years that they voted early and then some big revelation came out about the guy that they voted for and they wish they could take it back. Voting early is not a good thing because most candidates gear up their final message for the weekend before the election. And if you've already voted and there's something out there about your candidate that's going to make you not want to vote for them, then you need to really wait. I mean, if, if, if you're the brother of a, of a guy running for lieutenant governor and you know you're going to vote for him anyway, then fine, go out and vote early. But otherwise, you really shouldn't be voting by – first of all, you shouldn't be voting by, by mail at all anyway unless you are – like infirmed and you can't physically get to the polls. And if you, if you doubt that, if you doubt that, that it's not safe to vote by mail, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take $500 in cash and I want you to mail it to yourself. And for the three days or four days or five days before you get that in the mail, if you get that in the mail, you're going to be worrying. And when was the last time you sent cash in the mail? There's a reason for that. There's a reason why we instinctively don't do stupid shit like that. We don't do it because we know that there are people out there who are dishonest. And the post office might be a wonderful organization with lots of wonderful people, but they're people. And people suck. People are dishonest. People are thieves. People lie. People manipulate. And we know that. We instinctively know that as human beings because we've encountered other human beings, Right. So I want to start off with you shouldn't be voting early unless there's like a really good reason. You shouldn't be voting by mail unless there's like a really good reason. You really should be showing up on election day and voting on election day. Also, if you're stupid, if you don't know what a state representative does, please don't vote. If you don't know what, a gov- what the difference between a governor and a mayor is, please don't vote. Leave it to the people who have actually done the research and know what they're doing. There's a reason why people have to have a license to drive a car, because the state wants, you to, make, wants to make sure that you know what you're doing when you get behind the wheel of a car, because it can be dangerous if you don't. Well, it can also be dangerous if you vote and you don't know what the hell you're doing, because we have what we call, uh, inside politics, we have what we call the 5% dummy vote, and those are the stupid people who vote because, well, I'm Irish and this guy's Irish, I don't know any of the candidates, so I'm going to vote for the Irish guy, or I live in North Andover, this guy lives in North Andover, so I'll vote for him. Or in many cases, I'm just going to be honest right up front, if I don't know who to vote for, if I haven't researched the candidates and I'm not going to leave it blank, and there's a really good-looking woman versus a not-so-good-looking woman or a guy, I'm voting for the good-looking woman. Because every once in a while, I I become the 5% dummy vote. Because sometimes you're caring about the candidates at the top of the list at the top of the ballot, and you don't really think about like some of the other stuff. Like I think one year I went in and there was a, a, a vote for Greater Lawrence Tech School Committee, and I had no idea that, that that job was up, and I had no idea that it was going to be on my ballot, and I looked, and there were three candidates, and I didn't know who they were. So you have a choice, leave it blank or do a dummy vote. And sometimes I do the dummy vote, but I'm going to suggest that you just leave it blank. If you don't know the candidates, if you haven't done the research, if you don't know what, the, what these people do, please just... Just do the rest of us a favor. Don't vote. Because otherwise, somebody could get in that's destructive and could do a really horrible job. Also, campaign finance reports for the candidates and people working for candidates. 
Let me tell you, this is very, very important for you guys. I got a mailing from Jim McCarty, who's running for state representative in Methuen, and it was a hit piece. It had all kinds of lies on it, which is fine because every candidate does that. He's claiming that Joe Salmon's funding his opponent's campaign. Joe Salmon like walked by one day and like left I don't know like a twenty five dollar check at a fundraiser. That's not him. That's not him funding someone's campaign. But we we get that right. We know when we get these these pieces of campaign literature. If it's an attack piece, most of the time it's a lie. But that's not what he did wrong. Because that's all fair game. You want to go out and you want to lie about your opponent, it's up to your opponent to correct the record. That's what campaigns are about. The problem with Jim McCarty's campaign literature is it doesn't say who, it's, who paid for it. And the Office of Campaign and Political Finance is very strict on candidates putting on their literature who paid for it. Because otherwise, anonymous people can affect the election by sending out these mailings, not putting their name on it, not saying who paid for it, and sometimes they can put something out that makes it look like it's for a candidate, but it really is designed to create a backlash against that candidate. So the Office of Campaign and Political Finance in the Secretary of State's office in Massachusetts has a law that, that every candidate, every campaign has to put on their literature who paid for their literature. And the two hit pieces, the two bogus hit pieces that I saw from Jim McCarty and Methuen, neither one of them said on them, who paid for it? And that should tell you a lot. If they can't follow the rules during a campaign, how the hell are they going to follow the rules if they get in? In fact, it gets worse when they get in. We've watched candidates not follow the rules during a campaign, then win and never follow the rules. They take it as a license to do whatever the hell that they want. So uh, McCarty thing, stupid people, campaign finance report. It's, oh, super voters. I often get emails from people saying, I hear you use the, the term super voter. What is a super voter? If you vote in most primaries, you are a super voter. Because the statistics have shown that people who vote in primaries also vote in the final election. And people who vote in primaries generally vote in every election. Even if there's a special election for like a prop two and a half override to build a school or something... Those are the people who vote in your primaries are generally the people who are going to show up for your special election votes. So if you're voting on Tuesday or you're voting now for Tuesday, you are a super voter and you are the person that the candidates are trying to reach out and affect. So let's go over who some of the candidates are. In the, uh, by the way, all of the districts have been changed. So you may have, you may have voted for Linda Campbell in the past, but now you've been redistricted and now you're voting in the Estella Rays, Jim McCarty uh, district, or you might be in the Marcos Devers, Polino district. All of the, all of the uh, districts have been changed. This district that we're talking about here encompasses the District B and C district of Lawrence, which is the North Common area, the Arlington neighborhood, all the way up through Methuen into the Central District and parts of the West district. I hope that Estella Reyes has been going door-to-door for the last week with Mike Samad because if she does, she wins this race. But I can tell you that as of this moment, I don't think that has happened, and I'm calling Jim McCarty to be the front-runner. He put out two very, very, very brutal hit pieces that were just riddled with lies, but if I came in and I sat here and went through all of the lies, it would take an entire show. So I'm just going to tell you that one of the things that he said was uh, uh, Estella Reyes was accused... I guess five or six years ago, of using city workers, DPW workers, to fix her property up, to clean her property. 
I covered that story. I covered that story. I got a call the day that it was going on by Francisco Polino, who's now endorsing the Stellar Rays, by the way. And he said, you got to come down here and see what's going on. I went down. I went live. I wrote a news story that Estella Reyes was using DPW workers to clean up her own property, only to find out a month later from a friend of Estella Reyes who sent me a copy of the property deeds that she had sold her share of that property before that had happened. So be very careful when you get a hit piece in the last week before an election. They almost are always deceptive. They play these games like so-and-so funded so-and-so's campaign when really they went to a fundraiser and wrote a check for 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever it is that they did. That's not fun. When you tell somebody, when you tell the public that someone's funding someone's campaign, you give the impression that they're bankrolling it, that they're, that they're the ones that, that, are, that are bearing the, the majority of the expense. That's just not the case. In, in this particular race. But this is what we've come to expect from Jimmy McCarty. This is a guy who voted to lay off 35 cops in Methuen. This is a guy that voted to defund the police and then stood with Black Lives Matter when they came to Methuen and rallied to defund the police. That's who Jim McCarty is. That's who Jim McCarty will always be. And so in all of these races, uh, with the exception of this one, uh, I have reported on them. I have not reported on this race because I'm involved in this race. I am endorsing Estella Reyes for state representative. She's a great candidate. She's a great candidate. She would do an excellent job. And she doesn't have the massive number of conflicts of interest that Jim McCarty has, even though he's trying to p- portray it the other way around. Remember, they always accuse you of what they're doing. And that's exactly what's happening in this race. But I have to tell you, I, I have not heard that Estella Reyes has gone door to door with um, Mike Samad in the West District. And if she doesn't do that this weekend, she loses. I'm just gonna, that, that's, that's, the, that's the lay of the land. We've run the numbers. I've looked at it a million different ways. I've looked at the racial makeup of that district. I've looked at the super voters in that district. Who's more likely to vote? Who's more likely to stay home? Who's more likely to vote by mail? I've gone through all the numbers, and we, I could bore you and bring them in to show you the analysis. But right now, Jim McCarty's the front runner. And if Estella's people don't get their asses in gear this weekend and work three times harder than they have been, and they've been working hard, I'm going to say they have been working hard. It's not a knock on them. It's just that they've got to step up their game. Um, so my prediction is, is it's going to be a very close race. And I can't say that Jim McCarty's going to win because Estella could, this weekend, pour it on and make up the difference. But I think as of right now, as of, as of two... 17 in the afternoon on the Thursday before the uh, September 6th primary, Jim McCarty's the front runner. And he knows it. He knows it because he's not doing the work. She's working hard. And he's sending out mailings and he's sitting home really not doing a whole lot of work. Okay, next race. We've got, um, this is a very interesting race. Um, it is our, our fling, and you have to say it that way, it's F-L-E-N-G, our fling, Marco Devers who uh, former mayor of Lawrence, he was the first ever Dominican, uh, Dominican mayor in the United States. He was the first person, first person of Dominican descent to become mayor in the United States of America. Um, he was, I believe, the second uh, Latino state representative in the history of Massachusetts. He has been in and out of this seat a couple of times. And he usually runs very close in a primary. The only time... But by the way, the only time an incumbent loses, it's very, very rare for an incumbent to lose. 
Like 1% of the time, less than 1% of the time, an incumbent loses a final election. But if, if an incumbent's going to lose, it's going to be in the primary because people suck. People don't vote. We're going to have... I was talking to someone in Lawrence yesterday. They said they would be happy if 10% of the registered voters showed up. I was talking to somebody in Methuen, and they said they would be happy if 12% of the voters showed up on Tuesday. That means those of you who do vote, your vote counts a lot more because fewer people are voting. You have more power in a primary than you do in a final because so much, so much, so fewer people vote. <clears throat> Can't conjugate my verbs today for some reason. Um, in this race, this is a redistricted race. So Marcos used to have uh, two or three precincts in South Lawrence, most of North Lawrence, all the way up to uh, District B including District B and parts of District C. Now it's totally changed. Now it's Prospect Hill and East Methuen. That's the new district. Your two candidates, Marcos Devers, the incumbent, is running against Francisco Polino, who uh, I endorsed against Estella Reyes five years ago. Now we're, now we're all on the same team, which is weird. Um, and every time we sit down, too, I look at him and I go, isn't this kind of weird that we're all sitting together working together? Because five years ago, nobody ever thought that would happen. Um, Francisco Polino is challenging, and here's what's gonna, what could be the difference in this race. What could be the difference in this race is Lawrence Mayor Brian DePina is endorsing Francisco Polino, and Brian has some pretty good coattails right now. He is in his, I think, 10th or 11th month as mayor because he took over last November, um, and he's running a slate of candidates. His candidates are Estella Reyes, Francisco Polino, and Pavel Payano. And if Francisco Polino pulls this off, he's running against a very popular incumbent. If he wins this, it's because of Brian DePena. No question about it. When he ran against Estella Reyes, he got slaughtered. I think he ran one other time, too, and he got slaughtered. So if he, if he, runs, if he wins this race, it's going to be because of Brian. I, a month ago, I was calling this race for Francisco Polino, believe it or not. A month ago, people were calling me and asking me, who do you think is going to win this race? And I was saying Marcos was in trouble. And quite frankly... Marcos was in trouble. Since then, however, Marcos has really stepped up his game, like a lot. And the other thing that I'm hearing is I'm, I'm hearing that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of negativity coming out, and I'm not sure why, on Francisco Polino. There's a lot of people who I run into who say, you know, I was going to vote for that Polino guy till I met him. And I was like, wait a minute. That's usually not something you hear in politics. Usually in politics, you hear the other way around. I wasn't going to vote for that guy until I met him. But I'm having a number of people saying that. So I'm not sure what, what that groundswell is all about. Maybe it's Marcos people chumming the waters. I don't know. Um, but this is going to be, I think, a little closer than people think. But right now, I'm going to call this for Marcos Devers. I think he's the front runner. But again, frontrunner doesn't mean he's going to win because we've got four days left, five days left, four days left. I don't know. I don't sleep, so my days are always, uh, always running into each other. Uh, another interesting thing about this, about this race here is um, Francisco Polino is spending a shit ton of money. And by the way, Marcos Devers, who has always won with less than $8,000 in the bank, always, like Marcos has been the most broke candidate I've ever met in 35 years, ever. He actually won his first or second election with like $1,500 in the bank. Um, Marcos is also raising a shit ton of money. And I would have brought in, as I did before the last election, all of the um, finances 
on how much money each candidate has raised, but the deadline's today, and uh, I went on this morning, and everything wasn't posted on the Secretary of State's website. I think this one goes to Marcos, but uh, Francisco Polino, by the way, Francisco Polino's from Methuen, so he, he's going to pull some votes out of Methuen because a lot of people vote their hometown. They want a state representative that lives in their city. So because Francisco Polino's Latino, he's Dominican, He's going to get a lot of Dominican votes in Lawrence from the, you know, his neighbors, his friends, the people that he's done business with over the years. But he's also going to pull a vote out of Methuen, and that makes him dangerous to Marcos Devers. So if Marcos is spending his last weekend in Methuen campaigning, Marcos wins. If he spends his weekend in Lawrence showing up his vote, he loses. And that's what I really think it's going to come down to there. All right. Spent way too much time in the first two. Let's get to the next one. State Senate race. You know, uh, we had the debate here. I was going to pull in clips, but I think it's better for you guys to watch the entire thing. I don't want to be accused of taking anything out of context by running clips. Oh, it was very tempting because there was a lot of funny things that were said, and there was a lot of stuff that went on at that debate, and in another show, we will, we will do that. Your candidates are Pavel Payano, Una Ziegler, and Doris Rodriguez. Um, up until the debate, I really thought that Eunice had a shot, and I thought that Eunice was closing in on Pavel Piano as uh, as a front runner. I think she was I think it was she was very close. I really honestly I love Doris Rodriguez. I don't think she's got a chance in hell. She's not raising the money, she's not spending the money, she's not doing the work. She doesn't have the organization. She's a wonderful person. And she's got some great ideas. And boy, was she a spitfire here at that debate the other day. I mean, that was great. That was that was that was some stuff for our year-end uh, our year-end look back. Uh, we're going to pull a lot of clips out of that because that was hilarious. However, and she got some great ideas. However, I just don't think she has done what a candidate needs to do to be in the top two in a three-way race, and I just don't think she's done it. Now, I'm, I might be surprised. This district encompasses Lawrence, Methuen, and I think two precincts in Haverhill, maybe three pre- precincts in Haverhill, but the Haverhill numbers are very, very low in that district. Um. Four or five days ago, I logged on on Facebook, and Mara Healy, candidate for governor, she's running basically unopposed. She's going to win the primary. She's most likely going to win the final because Massachusetts is a Democrat state. She has endorsed Pavel Payano. And the minute that happened, I shared it on Facebook and said, looks like we've got a front runner. I think Pavel's probably going to walk away with this. Don't count out Eunice Ziegler just yet, though. Um, She has not raised the kind of money she needs to raise to win this race, but she's very personable. She's a very good person, and she's a very moral, decent person, which I don't say about very many, in fact, really any candidates for public office, because most of them pretend to be that, and they're really just kind of scummy, backbiting a-holes at the end of the day, even the ones that I I vote for and campaign for. As people, if you see me hanging out with a politician in my free time, you know that's a good person, because I don't hang out with politicians and the scumbags. Um, Eunice is just not any of that. She's a good person, and I think... um, if she loses this race, there is a future for her in this. But I think she's behind the eight ball on this. And she could surprise me. But I think it's Pavel at the end of the day. And I was going, by the way, I was going to do an endorsement in this race until the debate. And the person I was going to endorse in the debate said something that just really went right up my, it just went right up my, my spine. And I said, you know what? I don't know that I can endorse that person now. And I really wanted to endorse that person. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys. You guys decide for yourself. This race is Lawrence, Methuen. It's all of Lawrence, all of Methuen, and two sections, most of Methuen, and two sections of uh, Haverhill. All right, next race. 
this is the other race that I am uh, going to endorse somebody in. So I'm in, I've endorsed Estella Rays, obviously. Um, I had Paul Tucker here on the show. The other guy has not reached out to us. Now, by the way, I want to I I inoculate myself here. When I say stuff like this, I get emails from people who say, Tom, why do you make it all about you? And I want to tell you, this is not me making it all about me because I'm totally irrelevant, okay? But I do represent the media and I represent the average voter because I'm not an insider, okay? So when I look at a race and one candidate reaches out to us, asks to come on the podcast, buys advertising, sends us press releases, keeps us up to date on all the political fundraisers that they're running in case we want to cover it, those are the candidates we cover, because I'm one guy, and there's 43,000 candidates running, right? So I can't be chasing them down for information. You, candidates need to be sending it to the press. When I look at a race like this, and I see a guy who has done absolutely nothing to reach out to the Valley Patriot or this podcast, it's not about me being snubbed. It's about if you're a candidate, and you're not reaching out to the small newspapers and the small media, then to me, you are an elitist who thinks you're above that. And if you're an elitist who thinks you're above that, then I'm really not too sure you should be in elected office. Because if you're an elitist snob now while you're running, just wait until you have power and see how, how much of an elitist snob that person is going to be. Here's another reason why I'm going to endorse Paul Tucker. And this was actually the moment I decided to endorse Paul Tucker. I ran into him at a fundraiser for, I think it was Pavel Payano. And he said he was the former police chief in Salem, New Hampshire. I'm sorry, Salem, Mass. He was FBI Academy trained, and he's a current state representative. And I asked him, what does your opponent do? And his answer was, my opponent's a defense attorney. I shook his hand, and I told him I would be endorsing him. Because anytime you've got a choice between a cop and a defense attorney... You always go with the cop. 100% of the time, you go with the cop. Defense attorneys are going to get in, and they're going to care about the rights of criminals because that's what they do. That's what they're trained to do. That's what they do for a living, and they're going to write laws that are going to benefit criminals. Don't believe me? Look at New York. Don't believe me? Look at Los Angeles. Don't believe me? Look at um, uh, um, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Can't believe I actually pulled that out of the cobwebs of my head. Uh, and all the controversy going on down there. Trust me when I tell you, okay? So I'm, I'm endorsing Paul Tucker. A, he reached out to us. He showed that he's not an elitist snob. He's reached out to all the small newspapers, all the small radio stations, including this podcast. And he's a former police chief. And he's got some common sense ideas. And as a former police officer, a former drug detective, and a former police chief, I'm going to trust him to write laws that are going to keep criminals in jail longer than the guy running against him. So when I'm voting, running for Essex County District Attorney, I'm pulling a Democrat ballot. I am voting for Paul Tucker. And he's also got the endorsement of the current District Attorney, John Blodgett, who I've been really disappointed in a lot of things, but he's done a decent job. All right, we're going we're gonna to bounce because I'm, I'm, I'm going way too long. All right, next, next race is Essex County Sheriff. Now, look how beautiful she is. How do you vote against her? Like, I looked at her picture online, and I was just like, you know what? You got a girl that looks that, if she's going to be sheriff, she's got six years we could be looking at her. She, you know, she out in the community cutting ribbons, everything else, right? Uh, unfortunately, she's, a, uh, she's a, a left-wing lunatic. She's batshit crazy. She's a social worker. She wants to turn the Essex County Sheriff's Department into one big social worker uh, experiment. And she does have a lot of experience in drug addiction, which the next sheriff needs to have. 
The sheriff is a law enforcement job. It's not a social worker job. This lady should be running for or being appointed to a position that has to do with social work. And yes, there are social workers in the jail. Yes, they need social workers with all the drug addiction and everything else. However, the person running the sheriff's department should be law enforcement. Kevin Coppinger has reached out to us, which means he's reached out to you because I'm only one guy. But the Valley Patriot is 20,000 readers. Our, our viewers and our listenership are somewhere around 5,000 a week. He, he reached out to you. He came on here because he wanted my readers and my followers and my viewers to know what he was all about. Never heard from the other woman. And believe me, she's that good looking. I would have had her here. If she'd reached out to me, my very first question would be, can I get you on my podcast? And we would have let her say whatever she wants to say. But she's, she's another left winger who's going to side with criminals. And we've had enough of that in this country. The people running our government should be siding with victims, not criminals. And she's going to side with the criminals. So I am absolutely voting for that Kevin Coppinger, and I'm looking forward to him running the sheriff's department for the next six years. It's one of the few constitutional offices that's a six-year term. In fact, I think it's the only constitutional office in Massachusetts that's a six-year term. All right, next, next, next race, we got... Uh, okay, so now, if you're pulling a Republican ballot, Jeff Deal versus Chris Doty, both of them came on the show. Both of them have sent us press releases. We've been networking with both of them right through the election. These are two great candidates if you're a Republican. Jeff Deal, pro-life, right down the line. Doesn't make any exceptions. I think he makes exceptions for like the life of the mother, but I don't think he makes exceptions for all the other baloney. Um, Chris Doty doesn't care about abortion. Now, if you're a Republican, that's going to be a problem for Chris Doty. If you're a pro-life Republican, which is what I used to be because I'm not a Republican anymore, um, if you're pro-life, you're probably not voting for Chris Doty. Chris Doty does bring something else to this race, though. He is a private business person, and he does not have the endorsement of Donald Trump. Jeff Deal has the endorsement of Donald Trump. Now, for those of us who are Donald Trump supporters, that, that makes people like us want to vote for Jeff Deal. However, if, Massachusetts in, if the Massachusetts Republicans put up a candidate endorsed by Donald Trump in Massachusetts, you are automatically handing over that race to the Democrats. I know all my Jeff Deal friends are not going to be happy about me saying that. I know Jeff is not going to be happy about me saying that, and I'm sorry in advance. I got to call it the way I see it. Those commercials write themselves, Adolf Hitler endorsed Jeff Deal. <clears throat> Do you want Adolf Hitler killing Jews as the governor of Massachusetts? Those commercials write themselves. And in Massachusetts, Donald Trump is more hated than Charlie Manson. He is. So you look at the statistics as to how Republicans fare at the end. There's a reason why Charlie Baker won three times. He hates Donald Trump. He's a Republican, but he hates Donald Trump. And he's very liberal on the social issues. Chris Doty, Chris Doty is a carbon copy of Charlie Baker, except I would say Chris Doty will probably not turn on his friends when he gets in. I think, that, that's, I think that's probably going to be the difference between him and Charlie. I like Charlie, but Charlie turned on people, and that really turned me off. Charlie also votes on the conservative side maybe 40% of the time, 35 to 40% of the time. It's better than a Democrat who votes against you 100% of the time, so I always supported Charlie. However, in this race, if I was pulling a Republican ballot, I'd probably be voting for Chris Doty, I think. Now, things could change, 
but I see all the negativity coming out of the deal campaign, and he's going to keep doing that if he wins the primary. And a Republican running a dirty campaign in Massachusetts with the endorsement of Donald Trump is a guaranteed recipe for disaster. I'm sorry, it just is. In the lieutenant governor's race, now you don't have to vote for each each candidate for governor gets to pick their lieutenant governor running mate, but you don't have to. If you want to vote for Jeff Deal, but you don't want to vote for for uh, Leah Allen, who's his running mate, you can vote for uh, Campanelli if you want to. In this race, both these candidates were here. They're both adorable. Look at them. They're, they're, I mean, either one of them wins. We're in good shape. Leah is very smart. She's a former nurse. She knows what it's like to pay bills. Miss um, Campanelli is very smart. She really cares about the homeless. She came into Lawrence a bunch of times to uh, see what the situation with the homeless was. Um, I, I, I can't say who I would vote for in that race. Uh, I, I, would, I would probably be making the decision in the voting booth if I was pulling a Republican ballot, but I'm not. Whoever wins, whoever wins, is going to have to run against the, Republic, uh, the Democrat machine, and that's going to be tough. All right, next one. Whew, give me a chance. I've, I've been, without a breath, I haven't even lit my cigarette yet. Seven minutes left in the show. Are you kidding me? Do you have a lighter? I got it. All right, now, this is the uh, lieutenant governor race. i got to put up on my screen so I can see it. Uh, lieutenant governor race is for the Democrats. Here's your lieutenant governor candidates. Now, uh, Kim Driscoll is related to me. I love Kim Driscoll. She's adorable. She's a nice person, but she's batshit crazy. Kim Driscoll thinks single-family zoning is racist. She's going to end systemic racism in Massachusetts. Newsflash, any candidate. Uh, Shannon Liss Reardon, are you listening? Any candidate who puts in their campaign literature that they're going to end systemic racism or they're going to fight systemic racism loses my vote right out of the gate. First of all, there is no such thing as systemic racism. Second of all, if there were, there's nothing a Democrat lieutenant governor candidate can do to end racism. Sorry, there's nothing a candidate for governor can do. There's nothing a candidate for president can do. You're, anyone who makes these sweeping declarations, they're going to end racism. Whenever someone says that, I want you to replace the word racism in your head when you hear it with the word anger. It, would it be possible for government to stop anger? Like we could pass all kinds of laws. If someone expresses anger in a public place, we can shun them. We can take their jobs away from them. We could do all of those things. At the end of the day, you're not going to stop anger. It's a human emotion. It's a human condition. You're never going to stop it, ever. It has existed since the dawn of man. It will exist until the end of man. You're not going to end racism, ever. So any candidate that tells you in the campaign literature, as Kim Driscoll has, that she's going to end racism, she's going to fight systemic racism, I immediately say I'm not voting for that person. The other candidates, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name, so if I get this wrong, it's, it's Govey, another left-wing lunatic. And then, of course, Lesser, uh, Eric Lesser. I, I think I might be voting for Eric Lesser on this, and here's why. The Democrats keep telling us, you need to vote for people who look like you. That's why we need black people in office. That's why we need lesbians in office. That's why we have to have Latinos in office, so that all those black, lesbian, Latinos out there will have someone who looks like them. As if that fucking means anything at all. But this is what they tell us. So I'm pulling a Democrat ballot. You Democrats keep telling me I need to vote for people who look like me. Well, I'm not a woman. I'm not black. I'm not Latino. But I am a white guy, so I guess I'm voting for the white guy in this race. 
And that's really how it's going to boil down because um, I don't really know much about any of these candidates. I know I'm certainly not voting for Maura Healy. I will be doing a write-in. Or I'll be voting for Sonia Chang Diaz because her name's on the ballot even though she withdrew. But in the lieutenant governor race, I am voting, and I'm most likely voting for Eric Lesser. Unless, if Kim Driscoll calls me this weekend and can convince me to vote for her, I will vote for her. Only because I do love her as a person. And, and we are like third or fourth or fifth cousins somewhere down the ride, down the line. All right, next one. And we're running out of time, so hopefully we only have, okay, we only have one left after this. This is the race I'm most excited to run in. I'm most excited to vote in. Diana DiZoglio, current state senator from Methuen. She is fantastic. I got to tell you, I really do like her. She's made a lot of mistakes in this campaign, one of them not listening to me. Now I am going to make it about me. One of them not listening to me. I, I, I tried to convey to her as an outsider who's not, who's not on the inside bubble. I tried to convey to her that siding with the left wing of your party as a moderate is going to piss off your base. Voting for transgender bathrooms are going to piss off the very people who put you in office in the first place. Most people that I talk to who love Diana love her for two reasons. One, she works very hard. Two, she doesn't vote the way her party always tells her to vote. She's an independent thinker. But during this campaign, she has swung so far to the left that people who were writing her checks four years ago are calling me, telling me, look, Tom, I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate, there's no way I can vote for her. I'm not going to vote against her because I know she's your friend and, and, I, and I like her as a person. I can't vote. I'm not going to vote for Dempsey, but I can't vote for her. And if she loses, that's going to be the reason. It's going to be because she took too hard of a left turn thinking she could appease the left wing of her base. And here's why that doesn't work. The left wing of your base is never going to find you left wing enough, ever. No matter where you stand, it's never going to be left wing. If you're not for partial birth, if you're not for abortion on demand up to third grade, it, you're not liberal enough for them and they're going to turn on you. Her opponent, Mr. Dempsey, boy, you want to talk about a left wing lunatic. This guy, this guy is probably the most liberal guy in Massachusetts. Like to him, Elizabeth Warren is too conservative for this guy. So if you're a left-wing lunatic, you need to be voting for, for, I think his first name is Chris, Chris Dempsey. If you're anywhere moderate, you need to be voting for Diana DiZoglio. If you're, any, if you're anywhere to the right of Bernie Sanders, you need to be voting for Diana DiZoglio. Her party fucking hates her. Her party hates her. The leadership of her party is pouring millions and millions of dollars into Chris Dempsey's campaign. They are petrified of Diana DiZoglio. And I have had very high-level Democrat politicians in Boston tell me to my face that they're making it their life mission to stop Diana DiZoglio from becoming the auditor because they can't control her. That's the kind of state auditor that I want. And it doesn't matter that she's voting for transgender bathrooms and all the other left-wing bullshit because as an auditor, she has no say over abortion. She has no say over gay marriage. She has no say over transgender bathrooms. She, she really legitimately has no say. She's going to be an auditor. Her job is going to be to audit state agencies and audit municipalities. And I think Diana DiZoglio will be – and I love Suzanne Bump, but I think Diana DiZoglio, if she wins, will go down as the, as the best auditor the state's ever had. Okay, a minute and a half left. we got one more. Uh, this, is going to be a really, this is going to be a really tough race. My prediction is that Bill Galvin's going to lose. He has been the Secretary of State for at least 25 years. He has been a horrible Secretary of State. I have sued him. 
And I have also, by the way, been on the same side as him in a couple of lawsuits. Um, he endorsed my public records law that I wrote. Uh, Katie Ives and Diana DiZaglio both submitted. I wrote the state's public, current public records law that, that is in effect right now. Um, I submitted it through Katie Ives. I submitted it through Diana DiZaglio. They both fought for it. Diana fought for it as state rep. Katie Ives voted for it as a state senator. And during the hearings, Bill Galvin walked in, and we were all shocked. He walked in and endorsed my bill. And then we had a long conversation, and I walked away still pissed off at him and still not liking him. However, look at the idiot running against this guy. This lady, if you think... If you think there's cheating in elections in Massachusetts today, if you think that your vote is not secure today with Bill Galvin in charge, you wait until this lady gets involved. Because this lady is, again, so far to the left that she's, she has to look to the right to see Bernie Sanders. All right? So you, if you're a Democrat and you're pulling a Democrat ballot, as be, and I've had numerous people tell me, I hate Bill Galvin, I hate Bill Galvin, I hate Bill Galvin. Listen, I hate Bill Galvin too. But I'm voting for him because the alternative is so much worse, so much. If she was just a little worse, I would hold my tongue. I would bite my tongue. I would swallow and I would vote for her anyway. But she's not even close. She's not even close. She thinks that prisoners should vote. She thinks that felons should vote. She thinks illegal aliens should vote. She thinks, I'm going to say that again. She thinks illegal aliens should vote. And if she's the Secretary of State, she will make that happen because she will be the Secretary of State. All right, is that, is that it for our, our things? All right. So the election is Tuesday. It is now Thursday. If you're watching this on a rebroadcast, we tape this on Thursday, the 1st of September. The election is Tuesday. You can vote early, but please don't. Please vote on election day. Your vote is much more secure on election day. Please remember Paul Tucker. Please remember Kevin Coppinger. Please remember Estella Reyes for state representative. Those are my candidates. And if you'd like to send me a, 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 uh, an email letting me know what you think, if I didn't cover a candidate, if I didn't talk about a candidate, you want to get the information to me, I can still share it out on social media for the next six days. Email me at valleypatriot at AOL.com. You can roll up Mel. And I never th thanked my sponsors today. I want to thank our regular sponsors. I want to thank all the sponsors who sponsored our debate as well. I want to thank McLennan Real Estate Century 21 in, uh, on Broadway in Methuen. I want to thank uh, Lazy River Products. Make sure you're not consuming Lazy River Products candles before you vote. It's never good to, to, to drink and vote or to smoke and vote. You don't want to do that. I did that a couple times myself and didn't turn out well for me. Uh, uh, Lazy River Products to drink it, but make sure that you, that you buy the cannabis. Marsan and Sun Construction, EIS, Investigation and Gun Training. Borelli's Deli, where I'm going right after the show to get my hot sausages. Tomo and Shaken Seafood, Clear Path for Veterans, New England. Pleasant Valley Landscaping. Make sure you call Dave Id Consoli. He's taking on new jobs. Who else did who would we leave out? And a free shout out to JG's Ice Cream. Even though it's even though it's the end of the summer, this is a good time for ice cream. Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. Chrissy, you did a good job today. Thanks. I don't want to end the show without saying that because I, I I've never loved a producer, but I love my producer Chrissy. Aww. And Melvin Taylor says it's time to go home. So go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.